Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we take a break from talking about how to retire and think about where to retire. That's coming up next. Stick around. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you. I'm enjoying some coffee from my Check Your Balances mug, which is my I have gotten mug. so self-conscious since now we're doing this on video. I was drinking coffee in the last episode we put up, but I didn't have the Check Your Balances mug, and I don't have it again today, and that makes me feel bad. It feels like I'm not doing my part. So you can't drink coffee on screen because we can't promote another brand? Well, I, I mean, it's not even the brand. So I have a Moomin mug, which is a oh, uh, I like Finnish it. cartoon character. And I absolutely love my Moomin set of mugs. Like my mom's from Finland. So that is a near and dear spot to my heart. So if I'm going to rep anything that isn't our brand, I'm happy that it's Moomin. I feel like when I was a kid, there were a lot of ads for that. Unless I'm making that up. I, that's a character that I know, having never been to Finland. Actually, that's a lie. I've been to Finland, but not as a child. Yeah, I'm not sure how widespread the the character has been. I, I'm very aware of it just because I have a bunch of these in my home. But yeah, I don't know what the reach of Moomin is. Has anybody else heard of this? If you have, send us a note. I think we're doing a mailbag episode next week as we are staring down October already. This is unbelievable to me. September has flown by. But yeah, if you've heard of Moomin, let us know. Or if you have questions for the show, check your balances at Outlook.com. Now that we're doing video, should we dress up for Halloween when we record the show? Oh my goodness. What are you going to dress up as? Do you have a good idea already? I don't know that it's a good idea, but my friend is egging me to do Ollie G for my Halloween costume, uh, a beloved character from Sasha Baron Cohen. And I think I might do it. I might cave. I could see that. Do you remember what I think the worst Halloween costume that has ever won an award was, was the year that we went as robo advisors? Oh, I think, uh, for some reason, this was in the, the Motley Fool days. It was. I believe I missed almost every Halloween at the Fool. I was Did you really? sick or traveling. Yeah, I, I don't think I was ever there for a Halloween celebration. We all wore bathrobes. That was the bit, was that we were robe-o advisors. It was really bad. And then we won like best group costume that year. That's great. Nobody wants to imagine their financial professional sitting around in the office in a bathrobe, by the way. That is a poor image. We shouldn't have done that on the show and talked about that. But it did happen, and it was funny. We apologize to everyone getting images in their mind at the moment. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's talk about our show this week, because you're having dreams even about what we're talking about, which is where to retire. Start with what you thought you saw or dreamt last night, and then let's get into it. Well, I knew today we were going to talk about different locations to retire and what the cost of living was in one spot versus another. And as I was going to sleep, I seemed to have thought up this website that I saw an advertisement for called like Move Meter. And it was so convenient that that was what was going through my mind at nighttime that when I woke up, I thought I must have dreamed it. And then when I went onto my internet search history, I saw that I had actually Googled it and it was a real thing that I'd seen an ad for on Thursday Night Football. I guess Coldwell Banker put out this move meter where you can compare the costs and living quality between two different places. 
But I thought it was funny that I was like, that's too convenient to have entered my mind last night. I must have made that up. Yeah. I mean, and that is very similar to what is one of our favorite tools to talk about when we're talking about going to a different location, which the one that we normally discuss is bestplaces.net. Now, I haven't looked at the Coldwell Banker tool yet. Best Places is a fairly modest website. It is not you know, a particularly flashy thing, but the data feeds that it has seem to be very robust. And I have found it to be both insightful and fairly accurate uh, in, in my experience using it. So either way, it sounds like there's a new option out there if you want to check out the Coldwell Banker tool on where you should be looking to relocate. But that's really what we wanted to talk about today is the where, right? We talk a lot about how and the when and you know, just kind of the timing and the mechanics of retirement. But for a lot of people, moving is part of their plan. They don't necessarily want to be where they've been. So, Dan, when you've talked to folks, what are some of the key things that are driving that move or at least the desire for that move? Yeah, I think it breaks down to a couple key ones. One is cost. So people might be working in high cost of living areas where taxes are high and just everything is expensive. And I think of places like New York is a common one that people are trying to move away from as they get towards retirement. The other is just climate and like hustle and bustle factor. So again, when I think of New York, you have seasons. It gets cold, it gets hot, and it's just crowded with people if you're in the city. So I think people are often looking for a more temperate climate where they can enjoy outside time and hopefully not be bogged down by traffic and you know people on top of them. And with the remote work era, we've already seen more people doing this. Right. We've seen people even pre-retirement going, well, if I can work from anywhere, I'm not going to be here, which I think is being stressed by some of the return to work mandates. It's being stressed by the pay that we were giving you was commensurate with the amount of cost of living. And so you're seeing people adjust for some of those remote workers. So there's been a lot of pressure kind of in every direction there. So I don't know that this is exclusively about retirement, but we're going to talk about it through a retirement lens because I think that that introduces some unique challenges particularly from a tax perspective. And the one that we constantly see people bring up is the income tax. And so you've got a handful of states that when you go, all right, where should I go to avoid income tax? That becomes fairly obvious for people, right? If that's the only tax that you're looking at, then the number one that comes up in conversations is Florida. We certainly see Texas, New Hampshire also has no income tax. So when you look at kind of the states, uh, those seem to be the key drivers. And I think Florida, for two reasons, number one, both the no income tax element, as well as the climate. If you're tired of being cold, then Florida sounds pretty appealing. Nevada certainly could as well. Texas, South Dakota, I'm just going through the full list. Tennessee, Alaska, Wyoming are the other no income tax states. This chart I'm looking at actually says New Hampshire is at 0.13%. I thought it was zero, but maybe I'm getting that wrong. So forgive me, New Hampshire. Yeah, I do know that New Hampshire has a capital gains tax that they're phasing out, I believe. So maybe they're looking at the average effective tax per person, and some of that 0.13 is capital gains. That would Um, make sense. Which goes to my point. When we're talking about taxes, taxes isn't a single thing, right? State income taxes is one factor in your tax landscape, but there are really a whole wide range of things you should be considering because there's property taxes, sales taxes, all these different things. So like Ross mentioned, these no income tax states 
tend to be the short list that people think of. Florida, Tennessee, Texas are the ones I hear a lot. But depending on your lifestyle and your expectations, those might not be the cheapest places to retire to. Yeah. So you were just talking about Tennessee. So Tennessee has a statewide sales tax of 7%. And then a lot of the counties also have a tax of it looks like another you know 2 to 2 plus percent at the county level. So if you're spending money in Nashville, you're paying almost a 10% sales tax, right? Yeah. I was looking at the taxfoundation.org and they had the average sales tax of Tennessee at 9.55% or thereabouts. So imagine a 10% surcharge on everything you're consuming within the state, which can be meaningful if you're spending. So very quickly, that can overcome the savings from state income tax if you're spending a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I think I hope this doesn't come down to us being critical of any single state, right? The states have to run their budget and whatever they're doing. So this is not about a pros and cons list for any individual place, but it is about taking the full picture into account. One of the ones that I think gets misunderstood a lot is the property tax. And so again, granted, New York gets hit a lot in in a bunch of these categories, but New York property taxes tend to be really spicy. You know, when I've had friends that lived in upstate New York, they're paying sometimes two and three percent, I think, of the property value, where here locally, it's about one for me. So one percent annually is the property tax. But looking up what it is in a specific county, if you're looking at living there, I think that's one of the first keys. And also look if it's different for residents versus vacation properties. Totally. There's yeah, a huge difference. Definitely. Because often if you're a primary resident of that property, even within states, you sometimes get an exclusion or exemption or credit on your property taxes for that being your homestead. Uh, but the second you have a second home or a vacation home or an out-of-state home, that can escalate quickly. Yeah, it can be it can be very different if it's not your primary location. So if you're thinking about starting to be vacationing or just spending half the year somewhere, it's a big difference on whether or not you make that your permanent residency or not. Now, let's talk about an interesting state here, which is Pennsylvania. Shout out to our friends in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania does not tax... 401k or IRA distributions. Is that correct, Dan? That's correct. Now, there are a couple states that fall into this category, Pennsylvania being one of them. But I like using that as an example, because if you're thinking about retirement, when you're earning income in Pennsylvania, you're still paying a state income tax. But in retirement, if your income is coming from qualified plans, social security, pensions, you might not pay any income tax. Like That's a very real possibility. Yeah. And so you used a term actually when we were prepping for this show this week, which is, are you asset rich or are you income rich? Right. So looking at what is being taxed in terms of your assets and where you're pulling them from relative to where your income is coming from, that's a huge difference. And so some state level differences in the law are going to make a massive change on what you're ultimately paying just be based on the type of income you have. Yeah. So even a question as simple as, is it cheaper for me to live here or here doesn't come down to like a quick number crunch that can take two or three minutes. Like there are a lot of factors that feed through to what the actual cost of living is going to be for you in one location versus another. And I think looking at a state like Pennsylvania, which does exempt so many different retirement income streams from tax is a great example of that. So there are a lot of resources online where you can see what types of income are taxed. It's a company that drives me crazy, but Smart Asset actually has really good summaries. If you look up a state and ask what retirement taxes look like, they give you basically three lines that say, 
this is taxed, this is partially exempt, this is taxable, and you can move on and know your answer. I can't believe you just plugged Smart Asset on this show. Maybe they'll pay us one day. Who knows? Yeah, no, I I have such a deep disdain for that company. Oh my goodness. I'm not even going to get into it because that's going to turn us into a, a completely new rant episode. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll save that. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll put that on the shelf. Here's the one that I think is also a big deal for retirees. Now, the good news is all the states that we're talking about, if you're moving south, if you're looking for warmer weather, nothing below Kentucky basically has an estate tax. But an estate tax or an inheritance tax affects a number of places, Pennsylvania being one of them, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, Washington, Oregon, Maine, New York, and then a bunch of kind of mid-Atlantic and Northeast states like Maryland, Vermont, it looks like Connecticut, Massachusetts are all on there. That's a huge one. So if you've got meaningful wealth built up, how much of that is going to get to transfer tax-free? You know, the federal estate tax is going to be in flux for a while now. So that's going to get argued over quite a bit because you've got right now, what is that, you know, basically 12 million a person doesn't affect a ton of people. Certainly some it does, but doesn't affect a ton of Americans. But if it does revert, in 2026, if we do see the estate tax come back down and get argued over, I think it's going to affect a lot more people. But remembering that there's a state tax on an estate in certain places, I think is really big because it's 16, 15, 18, 20% in some cases. I mean, it's a big number. Yeah. And while the federal estate exemption has climbed up pretty rapidly, a lot of states do index to the federal number, but some don't. So they didn't make those same jumps forward like the federal limit did. And it wasn't too long ago where the exemption was closer to a million dollars. So there's some states that have kept that baseline and have only been adjusting for inflation off of that. And when we're talking a million versus 12 million, you can quickly jump into the territory where you might be liable for a state tax. Yeah, especially when you're considering all real estate assets, right? Right, exactly. Uh, a home in Maryland, for example, can quickly get over a million dollars. Maryland, yeah. I think the only state perhaps with both an estate and an inheritance tax. Lovely. One more reason to love Maryland, Dan. There, hey, we have a cool flag. You know what state I think has a really interesting one is New Jersey. Now, I, I don't have any Jersey clients right now, so I hadn't looked at this in a few years. And apparently it changed in 2018. But New Jersey used to tax an estate over something like $650,000. It was a very low threshold that's going to catch a lot of people in it when you consider the value of their home. Now it looks like they've flipped it to an inheritance tax that has different categories depending on who you are. And it looks like as long as you're leaving your money to direct family members in New Jersey, you're probably okay. But as soon as you go outside of that path to somebody that's not like direct lineage, they're just absolutely crushing you. So. I mean, if, you, if you've got a split in your family or a rift somewhere along the lines, maybe you should make that up because Jersey's going to punish you for it. Yeah, you read me from that code like minutes ago, and it was crazy. There's like class A people and class D people. And if you fall under this line, and God forbid you have step grandkids because they're going to pay. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, they, what I remember. <laughs> they are in for it. Step grandkids, you are in trouble in Jersey. Right. Step children, A-OK, but one generation removed, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jersey. Maybe one of those <laughs> folks will call us and go, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, all of this stuff, and, and we're not experts across the, 
the tax code for every state. I think that's probably obvious if you've ever listened to our show before, but also just through this discussion, there's a lot to this. You can be well-informed and still be very confused. And so, you know, the way that I approach this with clients is really through doing what we call a pro forma. We've got a tax software that lets us do a mock return. And again, we do that not in the interest of being their tax professional. It's not something that we ever file, but it lets us estimate what the difference in liability is on different types of income, right? And so if you're looking at going, well, I'm going to have this coming in from a pension and I'm going to have this from Social Security and this from IRAs, what is my tax liability likely to be? Well, sometimes the only way to really figure that out perfectly is to kind of create one of these and make a mock return to say, okay, well, what would this return look like in Pennsylvania versus what it looks like in New York? And having that ability to kind of toggle that back and forth and say, well, this is kind of the impact. I think that's a really valuable thing when we get into financial planning at kind of the detail level, which I think most people find helpful to not necessarily say I would move because of that, but at least I know what to expect. Right. And for some people, maybe the difference isn't meaningful, but it can be a five or even six figure difference for some. I remember this was years ago, but I was doing an analysis for someone who had been working in California and living in California, and they were open to a move. And when we ran the numbers, it was millions of dollars of difference across this person's lifetime for just moving across the border to Nevada. Of course, you would want to legitimately do so because California is notoriously aggressive for people who like fake move their uh, state of residence. But, you know, imagine the difference in wealth that you can save just from optimizing your tax situation if you're open to it. Well, yeah. And that that's what planning really comes down to for us is understanding how you model those differences, right? When you look at any choice in a binary fashion, can I afford X? It's a, it's, too simple, it, right? I mean, if you're trying to answer the question, can I lower my taxes? Yeah, you probably can. Unless you're living in the lowest tax state in a county nobody wants to live in, in a state nobody wants to live in, that, that's probably the case that you could lower your taxes. The real question is, is it worth it to you to make this change in lifestyle? And do you have to? Because you know, maybe you make the change and you save a few bucks in taxes and now you're miserable and it didn't make any difference in what you can consume, right? So bringing it back to what is this actually going to do for you? And is it worth it in the context of how you want to live? I think that's so important because when you're just making tax-motivated decisions, I, mean, I, I really am convinced there's some people that hate taxes so much they'd rather not make any money at all. Yeah, that's true. And I love that point as a finishing thought because money is a tool, right? It's not the goal. It's a tool to achieve a goal. And sometimes if you're so fixated on how can I optimize perfectly for my money situation, you might give up a lot of what was driving you to work in the first place. Like Start with being happy and let's figure out how we can make that happen. And if you can be happy equally in different spots, great. Let's figure out which is better for you. But if you want to be in a the highest tax state, like there are a lot of reasons you might want to live in California. I have been once in my life and I was just blown away by how beautiful it was. Like I get that you might want to live in the beach over there, but you know, if that's not for you, we can make a better money decision. But if it is, let's figure out how to make the math work while you're in Pasadena or whatever. 
I appreciate that as a finishing thought as well. If we completely blew it on your state tax benefits and what's going on in your home state, let us hear about it. Check your balances at outlook.com. Again, we're gearing up for a mailbag episode. That's where we dip in, listen to what you all want to hear from us. That should be on next week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We will catch you next time.